Last night we let the liquor talk. I can't remember everything you said, but we said it all. That's it. That's, that's more than enough, Eli. That's awesome, <laughs> man. Thank you very much, man. Thank you uh, for having me. It's it's about time I have you in the studio, man. Like I don't I don't know how long we've been chatting on strictly DMs, man. Years. Wow, a few years for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So a lot of respect on this side of the table for you, man. Like totally what you're I doing and what you, you built, man. Like you built you built a proper business, man. So I, I want to get going on like the beginning of it, how you got started and how you came about to choose this trade, all that kind of stuff, right? I want to first do a sh- quick shout out to the Covenant boys there, Covenant uh, Cabinetry out there in Kitchener. Right on. I think so. I, I'm, I might be making a mistake. My memory, memory's gone, right? So uh, we got Eli here, Yakub. Eli Yakub. Yeah, Eli Yakub. And then uh, the underscore plumbing underscore expert on Instagram. And his uh, website is theplumbingexpert.com. You can reach him at info at theplumbingexpert.ca. And the phone number is 1-800-659-1879. How long have you been doing this? Um, I've been in the trade for 23 years. How young are you? I'm uh, 40 years young. I'm still always the oldest guy in the room, man. Uh, but you're the best looking guy in the room. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it, man. It goes with the gray. Uh, I love the salt the and pepper, the women. It's, it's getting old, but you know what? It's good. All the moving parts are still working. So it's like, I'm good on that. God bless, bro. No, that's all. It's good, right? So I, I know we were talking just before we got into the mic here that um, you're one of a few because your culture doesn't really get into the plumbing trade, right? So uh, my culture, they do. It's just that my or culture. In Canada, I guess. Yeah, in Canada, it's 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 more rare. So I'm from the Middle East originally. Uh, I mean, I came here when I was five, so I'm really like Canadian. Yeah. Um, but like my father, he's in the construction trade, well, the mechanical trades. Uh, it's a little bit different out there. It's not the same codes. It's was a different he there? type of like piping. He was in the trade there. Oh yeah. So both my uh, my father, my grandfather, most of my uncles are in the mechanical trades. However, there it's not just plumbing. It's more like pipe fitting. Oh. So it's a little different. And, and and when you're working in like, so I'm from like right in the Middle East. So I'm Lebanese. Yeah. And so when there's no work and no war, obviously, in, in that part of the world, they travel in and around that area. Just but, looking for work. Yeah. So like Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, things like that. And everything's built same way kind of mechanically speaking correct so like you have european plumbing you have middle eastern plumbing and then you have like canadian plumbing and it's just like construction so here we have wooden structures over there have the concrete structures which is your block structure exactly you got it yeah so it just it's interesting are you guys over there like the british where it's the reverse hots on the right no so you guys are left yeah we're hots always on the left um there's there's different type of things so like here every fixture has a trap so like a sink has a trap um your toilets are integral whatnot over there they have something called a regar uh they call it regar uh, but basically it's like a a main trap for the whole building and then so there's one pipe that goes all the way down collects everything yeah and one pipe through the roof and then everything gets collected to the bottom and that's where it reduces the smell from coming up so it's completely different than canadian plumbing. so how do you get the flow moving i mean with obc here it's like they're so critical about traps everywhere and but they're giving us a little bit more leeway on how far venting could be now correct so like i mean it's not that far off of what we do here we call it wet venting yeah over there everything is basically wet vented so everything is comes off a main stack and it just ties in but it doesn't have its own trap and its own vent 
it's all on the stack basically yeah and then it goes into a big basically like a compartment and then from that compartment to the sewers so it's interesting like I, okay on this show we're going to talk a lot about plumbing i want to talk a lot about plumbing but i also want to talk about what you've been doing like on the side and trying to build your business and how to grow things and then obviously I don't want to shit on the millennials. Like, I don't want yeah. it on the younger trades because there's sure. some really good, solid trades out there. I don't think there's anything really wrong with the millennials. I think what is wrong is the government forcing, not forcing, but, like, they say that we want people in the trades. However, we've come into a position where we have these ratios, right? So when I started in the trade 23 years ago, it was three to one. So you had three apprentices for every plumber. Then it went to two to one. And yeah. now it's one to one. Yeah. But the ratios doesn't mean anything How because for every 50 people leaving, you only have seven people coming in. That's the real problem. That's the real problem. So you're down to 14% of new trades coming in. And the millennials, they want to learn from journeymen. And the journeymen are leaving by the boatloads. Like we have the baby boomers, they're gone. Yeah. And the ones that are right behind them are leaving just as fast. Would you say that... The majority of coming in are just leaving as fast. They're not staying as long. Like, do you see this younger generation having this conversation like yourself 23 years later? I've been in the trade 23 years. Do you see that happening or do you see them getting out of it probably after a decade? Okay, so I would never leave the trade. Personally, I think you and I were on the same page. Because um, of the value associated with it. Well, there's, there's a lot of value here. Um, I don't know if if it's going to be like this for a long time. I think everyone thinks they're going to sell stuff on Shopify or Amazon or whatever else. The guys that I've had have learned what I've had to teach them, moved on. I mean, I've been in, in school and taught at Humber and done different types of different things. So there's a lot more to than just the business that you could see with myself personally. But because of the pandemic and everything before the pandemic, people don't want to deal with people. So you don't find that it's coming back right now, or are they still in that groove? Um, the the problem is these interest rates and the cost of uh, materials and things like that. So service industry has gotten kind of a bit of a kick. Uh, I was on the phone with one of my old employees. I stay in contact with all my guys. I, we have no bad feelings, you know. Everyone, you encourage you, you, them you, to you, grow, exactly. Educate, move on. Correct. Right. So I called one of my guys and he was a new construction. And uh, in the new construction, all the sales offices are closed for housing. So there's no new construction going on right now because they have a pause on it with all these new interest rates. Because they're concerned that you can't sell these properties when they're completed. Well, they can't close half of the ones they've already sold. So they can't even meet the mandates that are going on right now for you to start construction because you Correct. have to have a certain amount of units sold, percentage of it sold. Right. Because the thing is in 19 weeks that house is completed, which means that a homeowner has to convert into mortgage and nobody wants that mortgage being converted at 19 weeks at the current interest rates. I think right now you see more assignments on properties and I don't talk about this as if I don't have any clue. I mean, I have 11 well, properties. Did, yeah, you've done the research, right? Yeah, I, I got... Boots on the ground research. Boots <laughs> on the ground research. And and when I say I, I, I have properties and things like that, I don't have that from nothing. I have that from the business, the construction aspect, the plumbing aspect. There's nothing in the world that's going to get you to the place that you can get to outside of the trades, right? Yeah. So when you're coming out of high school and you're 17 years old and you're making 20 to $30 an hour, where are you going to make that? You can't. You can't make that anywhere else. 
So I wanted to be Without an architect. Without the student debt. Exactly. So I wanted to be an architect and I couldn't afford it. My father was a plumber and it was, hey, you going to work or you going to go to school? I worked at Wendy's coming up, making, you know, six twenty-five an hour. Yeah, we all got we, Yeah, we all yeah. started somewhere, right? And then my decision was just common sense. I'm going to go and pay to go to school when I can go and work and get paid. Did and then you sit I, down and actually look at it and go, school's going to cost me this much. It's going to be this many years. If I start working as a trade, I'm going to start at this hourly rate and I'm going to learn this trade. So at the end of the four years of schooling with this other career, I'm going to be making this much money. I'm going to know this much. Um, I'm going to say that I'm lucky. And why I'm going to say that is because when I got into the trade, I had already been working. Like we had neighbors, they had drywall companies. Um, like we lived in Malton growing up. So what, we didn't have like fancy schmancy stuff, but all the neighbors, they were like, it was old school Italian Portuguese people and they all had stuff. So they would get the kids on the weekends and hey, come with us and hey, grab some cement or grab some drywall or do this or do that. So I was already in that kind of a groove. The good old days where there's no such thing as child labor. Right. Well, it wasn't Canada. really. It wasn't really child labor. <laughs> no, it was. Just, we I all mean, did they that. would they would throw you twenty or forty back then. Twenty forty bucks. That was huge, yeah. right? You know what I mean. You worked out and you got some exercise out of it, and you, sure, and, and you, you worked with your some bags, right? And you worked with your buddy and his dad, and yeah. and and you just got to like in the groove, and there was nothing like it because it was refreshing. It was better than going to school in a sense, you know. <laughs> it was it was an education. Is it was an it education. Was, right? So I, I I was fortunate that I did go that route. And then um, it just made sense to me. So my story is, is, is very different because I got directly right into real estate the, the day I got um, into, the, into the industry. At, at what age? Like I'd so um, I was, I've been doing plumbing since I was 14, really, because my father yeah. would help me knickknack this, that, whatever else. But I got into the trade at 17, like, Technically, right out of high school, we did a co-op with a company down in Mississauga. Then I got into a, uh, a company down in uh, like Dufferin and Steels. And then I got into the union. When I got into the union, my eyes just lit up and it was like, wow, I went from making six twenty-five an hour to $12.13 an hour oh, as right. a first year overnight. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I just doubled my pay, right? And I was the type where... Uh, immigrant style right so whatever i made i'd take some and i'd give some to my parents save and save some spent. here it, yeah. right exactly yeah. and i this is a this is kind of a funny story but uh we kind of did something like this for my son or one of my sons is the older one and uh what we what we did was my parents owed me up at something that was called a leo account okay and that's at rbc okay and so my parents always had kind of control of my money in a sense like it was under them and basically, they would give me allowance of my own money. Which is a great move. It is. Yeah. So now what we've done for our kid is opened up something called My Dough. And My Dough is also through um, uh, RBC. And basically, when my kids do things, it's like their allowance, and they can save up for their bat. I mean, bats right now, they're like, baseball bats are like, 200 bucks hockey sticks are like 300 bucks Ooh, it's insane right wow. so it just teaches them the value of money and that's not a lot of things that you get taught in school right you never get it taught yeah and that's 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 a devastating part well we know the reasons behind all that stuff but it's smart that you as a parent you're looking at that and you're you're already instilling that that value inside your children right yeah definitely. they understand it they totally get it so then they can start working for something but they're also seeing dad 
working hard and building a business. And it's like you started as a one person shop and then you've expanded. How many employees you got now? Uh, right now I have five. Five employees, right? That's right. So it's like how much work are you taking on? Like how are you completely steady? You never had any lulls? No, you always have lows. Okay. Don't, don't, like people think that when you're in business, you're making a million dollars and, and no. you're rocking and rolling. It's not like that. I mean, we've had times where the, the crew's working four days a week or, you know, uh, COVID the, like is very unexpected, right? We had a showroom. I had to pivot. I shut down my showroom. I actually just opened up um, a golf simulator in the showroom. And that's an additional business. Um, when COVID hit, we weren't really allowed to work inside of people's homes unless it was like permitted or an emergency. Yeah. So I lost like six guys in a heartbeat. Like uh, it was March of uh, March 13th 2020. of 2020. Yeah. So yeah, like I lost, I had six trucks sitting. I had six guys not able to work, not wanting to work, not allowed to work because they had family that they lived with. Um, uh, there was a lot of pivoting in my business. Uh, I'm a plumber, gas fitter. And sprinkler fitter I have a many tickets right and I was fortunate because in the union you were able to learn and get these type of licenses so I jumped to the HVAC and I got saved thank God by uh, being able to do the things that I was licensed to do and hiring the correct guys to do it so you expanded into that yeah that so period? I I, um, I opened up uh, a division called the HVAC expert Okay. But we don't really go by it. It's just kind of the name. And we started doing like ACs, furnaces, maintenance, um, things of that nature, gas lines, because I'm a gas fitter and stuff. So, um, And there was business for that at that time. Well, it was more outside. It was That's the true. tail end of the, yeah. the winter. And um, I had friends that were already in the business and they kind of just said, why don't you do this? I mean, you're already licensed. My only issue was the name was the plumbing expert, so most people didn't know. But when I created the business, I named it Mechanical Services because we worked on boilers. We worked on yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And see, the funny thing is, in this province, they call everything a compulsory trade, right? So compulsory trade is um, sprinklers, well technicians, plumbing. And when you learn plumbing, all these other things that are compulsory trades... You actually learn under the plumbing scope of work in school. Mm -hmm. So when you do your chapter seven, which is our code, you learn pumps. Well, you got well pumps. That's part of it. You got uh, sprinkler heads. It's the same water so going still, into the sprinklers. Learning, if you started plumbing, you're learning everything that's associated with mechanical. You learn a lot of it. Now, th there's not saying that there isn't more, but you have the fundamentals, you have the base. If you're mechanically inclined, you're mechanically inclined. Yep. If you're not mechanically inclined, then you can work on a computer or do something else, no problem. Yeah. There's no right and wrong. But here we have this money grab for every license. Instead of allowing people to do more work and not have to worry about, oh, I can't do this because of that. So if you're in Alberta, in Calgary, once you get your plumbing ticket, you automatically get your gas ticket. You get many other tickets and you're allowed to work on multiple things in a shorter amount of time. So why do they do that there and not here? Is it just because well, I the think population's here? I think it's because it's monetary. So if, if you have these many licenses, you have to pay for these many licenses every year. So, Regulation, just... Yeah, it's, it's... But doesn't that also, to be honest, discourage younger trades to get in because they don't want to start spending all this money to upkeep all these tickets? So when we started, there was 
called the Ministry of Labor. Yeah. They had the control of all your licensing. And we paid $60 for three years for a license. Then they came out with another company. I think it was uh, Skilled Trades. Yep. Then they started taking $120 a year per ticket. And now they went and they uh, changed it to Skilled Trades Ontario or something like that. I, I can't even keep up with them. They keep changing every couple of years. And it's not discouraging. I think it's not motivating because people that want to get in the industry, they want to get into it for, for multiple reasons. Now there's people that want to get into it for monetary reasons. And there's people that want to get into it because they like to work with their hands. I own a business, but my favorite part of the whole business is being on the tools. Really? I hate being in the office. I can't stand it. But you don't like building the business. So it's, it's not about building the business. It's working with the guys. Okay. So it's, it's, it's the crew. That's right. It's yeah. the, the vibe that you get off of the crew. A hundred percent. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Which I totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a different vibe when you got the right crew and the right people around you. Everybody's on the same, they're sync. Yeah. Right. And it totally flows that way. I want to ask you during that funny time, the guys that were off, did they return and, and do the mechanical go down that route or did they stay off and not come back? No, I got most of my guys back. Okay. Um, you know, some guys moved and things like that, which happens. I mean, when you're in this industry, you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, rotating doors. People coming, people going, and that's normal. People, like, move. Uh, I personally have moved every five years, and I think that's the average these days. Yeah. And you reinvent yourself kind of idea. Sort of, yeah. yeah. So, like, we lived in Etobicoke. Then we lived, or, well, we lived in Malton, then Etobicoke, then Brampton, and now we live in Mono, which is basically Orangeville. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you want the best for all of your guys all the time, right? But where we are now, I've kind of changed our um, scope by opening up another uh, virtual office in Mississauga so that way I can keep more of my guys without saying, hey, look, we only have one hub in Orangeville. Because we're north and yeah. there's no highways. Yeah. Uh, we have... Um, it's nicer commute, to be honest, because it takes you an hour to get from one side of Toronto to the other side of Toronto. So for me, I prefer to be up north. Well, you could move faster around the city. And what I've had conversations with, specifically plumbing trades um, that have been in the business a long time, you're talking about maybe 30, 40 years, when I've actually chatted with them, they would tell me back in the day that they could get to five different job sites in one day. Today, that's impossible. If especially in the core, if you're trying to travel around the core, you can't get to five different job sites to do what you need to do. You guys go in, if you're roughing out, if you're setting up, if you're finishing, you're servicing or whatever, it's hard for them to get onto a job site, go on the road, get to another job site, and then get on the road again. They can't reach five as an individual, right? So if you've got a huge company, you can navigate the crew. You can go, listen, you're going to start on the west, you're going to start in the central, you're going to start in the east or whatever it is, and you focus on that area. That's efficient as a business, right? But when you got one man, two man shops or whatever, it becomes more challenging. So they have to, I guess, plan their day, plan their week, plan their job sites. But sometimes job sites are not ready, so they can't go in and do that. So now they have to try to renegotiate their navigation skills and then try to figure out how do I maximize it? Because you guys being on the road, you're not making money. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing my father always told me. And that's kind of why I've changed a lot of my vision on a lot of different things. If you want to get your haircut, you have to go to the barber. Yeah. Right? That means you're going there. Yeah. 
no one sees the time of a tradesperson on the road. No one sees the time of the tradesperson going to get the material. Nope. Nobody sees the time that it takes to set up before you even get to a job. No one sees the person that's in the office taking the calls. So when we charge what we charge, we're not charging just for the time that we're there, right? Like our break-even cost is $200 an hour. That's the break-even. That's a break-even cost. So we have a shop. So if you're a one-man show and you have a van, that's nothing. You're working out of home. You already have your house bills. So it's simple. We have a whole nother shop. And if you want to go and look at any kind of rental, I mean, I won't talk about anyone in particular, but an office that's 15 by 15 is $2,500. Yeah. Right? So imagine you have an office that's 15 by 15, and then you have another 2,500 square foot shop that's stocked with material, with uh, you know, fittings, staff, staff, administrative, administrative, heating, cooling, water, all of that stuff. You, you, know, you got your plumbing taken care of though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's so funny because my plumbing is the worst plumbing. <laughs> no, it's, it's like not, a man. I'm just joking. No, it's not. But you, you're, you're right. And I, I love that you've actually painted that picture because homeowners or clients or anybody else who you're dealing with that servicing, that's requisitioning you to come and do the work. Yeah. They just see you arriving on the site. That's right. They don't see anything behind that. They don't see what it took to get you on that site regarding the tools that you put together, the assembly that you put together regarding your truck or how you're going to work, the supplies that you had to go pick up beforehand, day before, week before, whatever, ordered, special order, all that stuff. They don't see any of that stuff. They just see you entering their site and like, what took you so long? It's kind of mentality, which, you know, someone calls you and says, Hey, can you change a toilet? It's not about the, the half an hour or hour it takes you to change the toilet. It's about the windshield that broke. It's about the four tires that you had to change for summer and winter. It's about the uniform that the guys are wearing. It's about the boot covers that you got on them, the gloves, the glasses, the safety, the training. You know, there's so much more than um, anyone sees. Not even employees understand what the owners have to deal with. They don't see it, huh? Well, how can they see it? They can see it until they experience it. You you might do a job for $20,000, and if you can take... Two thousand out of that twenty thousand dollars, you'd be lucky, right? So, and then people are always looking for deals. And hey, listen, I look for them too, and so does everyone else. No problem. But it, everything costs money, and yeah. if if we're not paying to have that done, it's just not getting done. And if we're not making that money, guess what? We're not spending it. Mm-hmm. So we have to spend equally as much as we make, right? Then you got sponsorships like hockey and baseball and soccer and everything else, right? Well, you got your own personal life and family life. You got everything going on. Sure, but life, you right? want to help the community that you're in. Yeah. Right? You want to so, contribute. Of course. We're in four arenas. We're on um, uh, banners. We're, we're, we're just about everywhere. I'll tell you something. We we were in so many different things, and both of them went bankrupt. We were in this thing called um, the Welcome Wagon in Tottenham, Alliston, yeah. New Tecumseh yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in business for over 20 years. What am I talking? Probably even 40 years. And during the pandemic, what they would do is take, before the pandemic anyways, they would take baskets of new for new construction, new homeowners that just finished their construction, and they would drop off a basket. You'd have pens in there and different gifts, and hey, we could do your filtration, we could do your plumbing, we could do your heating, we do this, that, and the other. Pandemic came, they were out of business. Yeah, because they couldn't. They couldn't go into people's homes. Yeah. So we used to pay about $3.25 just 
Be a part of that. Be a part of that per household. How many households are we talking? Whatever they did. If they did 50 a month, you did that times 50. If they did 100, you paid that times 100. What was the ratio that you were getting? Like when you did, if you're giving out 50 of them, you're being a part of 50 of them. How many would contact you as a result of that? So we started taking, it's funny because we started navigating all those numbers in and around the, the COVID time. So it wasn't true. But I'd say maybe 10%, but it's not the point. Because people aren't calling plumbers as soon as they get their number. They're going to call them when they need them. Service. Same with electricians, same with whoever else, right? The biggest one, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, we created an ad for multiple businesses that we own. Um, so my wife has a laser hair removal company called Flawless Studio. I own, obviously, the Plumbing Expert and the Virtual Green, which is the golf and we had a back page cover and we paid for in that print? cover. Yeah, in okay. print. And it's called the Orangeville Banner, which is Metroland. I think it's either, I think it's the Sun or the Star, one of those. Anyways, it's Metroland Media. And we had the proof and we did it for an entire year. It was $26,000 for the back page. Okay. What was the circulation like once a week? Uh, once a week, yeah. Okay. So it was like $500 a week, basically. Okay, it's not crazy, crazy. Yeah. It wasn't crazy, but I did it. And I got it for that price because I did it for an entire year. You committed to it. Correct. Otherwise, it would have cost a lot more. It'd be like $1,000 a month yeah. or uh, a circulation. Okay. So anyway, long story short, um, I, I, I approved the, the newest ad. I posted it actually on my social media. And two days later, I got a message saying, we no longer, uh, we're going bankrupt. And we no longer doing the prints. You paid in full? No, okay. no, 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 not like that. Right. But different avenues are starting to shut down and things are changing from what we're used to. The landscape's different now. Completely. The messaging is different. Absolutely. Which is a great point that you're bringing up because even though you're an established business and an established brand and you've yep. got a good sized company, you still have to market yourself. Listen, I learned something a long time ago and people don't get it. We are all owners of a media company a marketing company that specializes in whatever we do. Yeah. So I own ourselves. the plumbing expert marketing company and what we do is part of that marketing company. Because if you don't know me, then you won't hire you're, me. you're not calling me. Yeah. Our biggest, our two biggest costs are uh, pretty, pretty basic is advertising and then labor. Material is expensive, but it's covered, right? But, so we're Google guaranteed. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, so we got that green check mark. We get phone calls all the time, whether you're busy, you're slow, this, that, and the next. What people don't understand is that phone call just costs over $50. For one potential lead. For a potential lead. So Not even a direct, I know. That's correct. So you can get 10 phone calls and only get one customer. So your customer acquisition costs, and that's why I say it's over $200 an hour to break for your even. break even right so yeah we have a lot of guys but we have to spend a lot of money to get a lot of work for these guys i was gonna say low at 200 bucks it just seems like that there's probably more overhead that you probably are not even factoring in as you as a business owner you're probably and we do this all the time I, yeah, like, yeah, people of do course this all the time yeah you don't factor in extra hours that you put into thought process and efficiency and changing. So that doesn't include my time. Yeah, that's what I mean. So my time is probably... I'd say you're closer to three. <laughs> I'm probably closer to three, but 
you're not going to charge someone three hundred dollars to charge. You got to be realistic with the landscape that's out there. Correct. Right? So, what we do is we provide value to customers. Rules, compliance, regulations. These are super critical things. We use tools that require high safety standards. We have to meet compliance and regulations at all times, not just for governmental issues. But actually, if we don't, we're risking our own employees. Every tool requires a different kind of training and understanding of how to operate it safely. Every rule needs to be fully understood, who's qualified to do certain jobs and who's not. All these are important things we managers must take care of to keep safety high at all times. Now, getting it done is way harder than talking about it. But luckily, there's a platform I found that can help out with everything I just mentioned. A great software called Connect Team, which has training and quizzes that you can build in any way you'd like to make sure your employees always know how to handle a certain tools. You can see who's done a certain course of quiz, who didn't complete it and can't work with a certain tool until they do. You also have the ability for an update if there's a new regulation you need everybody to be aware of ASAP. And also an easy overview screen to see who saw it. Plus, their schedule allows you to add limitations for certain jobs. So if one of your employees is not qualified to do a certain job, the system will automatically notify you about it. The platform offers a lot more, such as easy access to playbooks or hazard reports. Just check them out for yourself. Connect Team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial. Try them today by checking out the link in the show notes. If we come to your home for something, we're looking at the entire home for you. So you call me for a leak, for a toilet or a sink or a faucet or whatever. When we come, we have a service charge. At least that covers some of our, our overhead. But at the same time, when we come there, we're not like the doctor. Oh, you came in and you have a cough. Let me look at that. But you can't talk to me about anything yeah, else. You got to go, come back and swipe your card. Yeah, exactly. Right? We're already here. We're going to provide you value. These are the type of things. Oh, your house is 30, 40, 50 years old. You don't have valves underneath your sinks. We can do that for you. We can write up a quote and then we can do that next time. We're not trying to sell you what you don't need. If I can't sell it to my own grandmother or mother, I wouldn't sell it to you, right? And we call it providing value. We don't call it sales. It is sales, but we prevent you from preventative maintenance. Here's the problem is that you get a lot of homeowners think that once the home is finished, it's finished. You don't need to do anything other than maybe mow the lawn. Like, and <laughs> it's not the case. Like everything needs yearly maintenance of course if not even twice sometimes three times you got to look at it like i mean sure. just talking about mechanically alone like you just i don't even know of a homeowner that cleans out their hrv filter you know what i mean i don't even know if homeowners know what an hrv is. is they think it's a honda <laughs> right? so it's just like they that's what i mean is that homeowners need to understand that we're not trying to upsell you we're trying to educate you to prevent a bigger problem every year we have checklists fall checklist spring checklist and those are the two most important ones i don't know how many times tail end of uh march april we get calls for hose bibs it's hand over fist people don't turn off their hose bibs inside they don't drain them their hose bibs blow up august is our biggest raining month of the year mm -hmm. all from that from like march april until august we tell people listen give us a call or at least do these checks on your own. And if you don't call us and we'll have a look and then people having back backups because their sump pumps aren't working. It's like a fire alarm. If you don't check your fire alarm, you're never going to know if it works or not. And there's bells and whistles attached to the whole sump pump. And people understand that you can do this. And there's also apps that could be associated with it. So you can get these warnings, all kinds of stuff like that. Absolutely. I guess my question to you is that I am a huge fan of the Hosebib. Uh, what is it? Aquor? Oh yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. They, they started on boats. 
why why are they just ridiculously expensive? It's like okay, because trade, trade price is under two hundred. You yeah. know, retail price for a homeowner is closer to three hundred, some crap like that. They're a smart invention. They're great. They look clean. Um, but they're just so expensive, man. So I can relate with that with everything else. Okay. It's not for everyone. Some people or some manufacturers try to push things to the one percenters and things to that's a good point. the 99 percenters. Yeah, that's a good point. Us as tradespeople, or my company anyways, I can't talk for everyone, is more for the middle class. Because there are more people in the middle class than there is in the 1%. Of course. Because there's only 1% of them. Yeah. Right? And it's not that we can't do it. We can sure we can do it. But every company sets their prices accordingly, right? So I was watching a show the other day. I don't know if it was Dragon's Den or Shark Tank. And they got um, uh, a painter from Montreal. And he does a beautiful painting. They got robots literally doing 12-layer paintings selling it for 10% the price and it's 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 legalized by the original painter so they make some sort of money from it but do you want the original or do you want the the so robot they've, one they've devised a way to mimic the artist on an robotic with, with the pressure points of the of the that's paint very, stroke that's, that's very sad man it's crazy so like uh, it, it, it's in every way uh, i blame it all on social media social media is great and just as good as it is, it's bad. It's a double-edged, yeah. It's a double-edged sword. For, for instance, you can go and get a diamond ring, a real diamond, you know, from natural earth for 20 grand. Now you're getting these lab-created rings for like three, four grand. They look the same, and they'll tell you they're the same, but the value doesn't hold, right? It's not the same. So are they doing that to your point about focusing on the middle class? I think so because the middle class is started to not be able to reach, let's say, this. Yeah, to here. that point. You know what I mean? So if you can't reach all the way down there, we're going to give you something that you can reach. Well, it's, it was really funny. I think I started paying attention 10, 15 years ago how I started looking at luxury automakers bringing down their luxury cars to more acceptable levels. That's so they right. started introducing one series or a series or b series you got the california from ferrari exactly right so all of a sudden they started getting people going you know you're just at the cusp of this brand but why not just come to us which is like maybe another 10 percent more and we'll get you into a luxury brand and then you're selling that whole idea which is smart on their part and bad on the general pop part right because they start buying into that it's, it's difficult for people to um get ahead in big cities so uh, in my business i treat i want to say like all my guys like family okay uh, it's still old school i don't have a number for my guys i don't have 50 guys 60 guys and they all want more or less similar things when i started in the trades i was able to buy a condo for two hundred fifty thousand dollars in and around the etobicoke area so like 25 years ago right around there yeah right which so was now yeah, that was basically it, yeah. Now you can't buy anything for under a million. A million. So that's three times. But has it, salaries gone up three times? No. no. Can we increase the salaries by three times? No. Not close, right? So what I have done is, I moved a lot of my investments out of Ontario. 
and I've jumped into the Alberta, Calgary, um, that part, those provinces. Did you just look at the data and just realize that you can't compete in this market, but there's another market not too far away that I can totally compete in? It's still Canada. Yes. We're Canadian citizens. We're yes. Canadian people. What people don't understand is you don't need to own your own home. What people don't understand is you don't need to own it next door. What people don't understand is there is a place for you to get ahead if you just don't have what I call tunnel vision or horse vision. You know, when the horses have those things on their head and they only see in front of them. Yeah. You have to be awake. You have to be able to look outside the box. And unfortunately, there's no one teaching the younger guys about that. I've had, uh, you know, uh, my guys work with companies like uh, cooperators, bring them in, tell them, hey, this is how you can invest into your retirement, like an RRSP. We provide benefits to our guys. We don't pay, we do not do um, retirement, yeah. right? We're not a union. We're not that big. We couldn't afford it even if we wanted to. But we give them enough information so that they can make their own decisions. They do their own homework. The problem is there's no sacrifice, and I'm not blaming millennials for the sacrifice, but I lived with my parents until the day that I bought my first property and I was able, ready, willing, and able to afford and move out on my own. A lot you of people- You research though on that first condo. You, ha you have to do that. It's, it's, there's no winning without a little bit of sacrifice. There's always sacrifice. So here's the question to you. We know the home price, especially in Canada, us being at the top of the market, globally speaking. How does somebody who doesn't have the same labor, you know, their, their, their um, wage is at that same bracket? How does someone get into the game? They first don't look at Ontario. They start paying attention to other parts of the country. The country's vast and there's other... Absolutely. And we're talking about urban. There's, we're not talking about you going into the woods. You're not going into the, the territories or anything like that. Right, right, right. You're still going into cities, but you're sure. just not going into the biggest city in Canada. And, and everyone always talks location, location, location. No one is, is saying no. But when you're looking at ROI, which is return on yeah. investment, you're not going to get that in Toronto anymore. Because when your property is a million dollars, you're what it used to be a mortgage of $5,000 on a million dollars, you're not going to get that in rent. No. So really you're not getting that. You're, you'll get it in equity, but you're not going to get it as cash flow, right? So if you want cash flow when you're only making 20, 30, 40, $50 an hour, which is not a lot these days, right? It's good, but it's not a lot because the average household, you got a lot of overhead. Like, cause the average household, I think is around 70,000, 75,000 a year household. But if you're a tradesperson, you're making that on your own. Yeah. So if you have one tradesperson and a regular person working together, like my wife and myself, or then two, on paper, two, technically number wise, you're, you're higher than you're a suitable candidate to potentially buy a property. Correct. Right? Now, if you go into Alberta and you're buying a similar property for 500,000, and your mortgage is only $2,500 a month, you may be able to cash flow, right? So, and that's only if you're in Calgary. If you go to Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, different parts of Canada, you can get things for under 500000 easy, Yeah, right? It just depends. I'm huge on new construction because with new construction, you're not paying your entire down payment today. No, you got a right? waiting period. You got a waiting period. And most waiting periods now are a minimum one to two to three years. So you can build it. 
So you're 5% down now on, okay, let's just make it 500,000. What is that? 25,000. Yeah. If you could save that initial $25,000 to give that 5%, you're making the money on that 5% over the next three years, not on the total. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. So you're not buying in Ontario, but guess what? If you want to bring that money back, you sure can. You know what they should do is, and it's like, we've talked about this on the phone before, right? So we had a, a conversation about it, but it, it totally made sense when you were bringing it up. I really wish that anybody who's considering buying a property in Toronto, in Ontario, whatever, take that same dollar and break it down in other parts of the country. Absolutely. And figure out what that same dollar is going to get you in these different parts. And then, listen, we've got a digital age here. You can go online. You can literally Google Maps and look at what you want to buy and what's available there, who's there. And we know that the infrastructure is all being built up. So that's right. It's just because you don't have the hub of Toronto here, which sometimes as you get older, as you probably know, it's nicer not to be at that hub and be a little bit further away from that hub. I wouldn't want to raise my kids right downtown. No. Um, that's why we picked Orangeville. We Brampton was good for a long period of time. Then a lot of crimes started happening. Yeah. It got overpopulated. We moved up towards Orangeville area. And I'd keep moving further and further north. Like, you, you can't snowmobile in Toronto. You can't use an ATV in Toronto. You, <laughs> well, know. you can, but you'll be arrested, right? Well, there you go, right? So it's it's a whole other world. Like, um, we're huge into sports. Like, I spend, like, four or five days a week with my kids on different sites and, and, and different things. It, it really depends on what type of life you want to live. If it was up to my wife, she'd live right in the heart of the city. She likes she, the hustle and bustle. She's a city, okay. She's a, she's a Montreal girl. You know, she, she'd leave the window open and hear the sirens and this and the honks and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And she loves it. And, and I love her for it. And I think opposites attract, you know, and it, it's fantastic. And I, and I enjoy it. I love her to death, by the way. She, uh, she's actually, <laughs> in a month from now, I'm going to have another, I oh, have really? another, another baby on the way. Oh, congrats, man. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Fifth? Uh, this is my third kid. Uh, third, okay. Third kid, and uh, it's a girl. So I have two boys, and now I have a girl. So That's it's, awesome, it's kind of cool. <laughs> so she's listening, right? <laughs> yeah, she's probably going to be listening to this for sure. No, but you're being smart about it. Because like when we were talking, it's just everybody's just so fixated on this market. And what I don't like is that I get the sense that realtors and mortgage experts, so to speak, um, they push this pre-con idea in this core. And that's why we're seeing so many cranes in Toronto. And they're just selling these boxes, 600 square foot boxes for a million dollars, plus the maintenance fees that are attached to that. And sure, you won't get it in three, four years, but you still have to cover these possibly on a million dollar purchase so there's 100 grand or so there's another part to this whole new construction in toronto you got to understand when you close your property in toronto if you're on the fifth floor and there's 35 floors the property is yours but it's not in your name so you could be paying for a year or two sort of a mortgage but it's not into your mortgage you'll be paying the builder to carry that property construction mortgage that's correct that's right. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if 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 you're they on want the to do the floor, transfer sooner, so then as well they, until the title is in your name, which they can't do until the entire building, building is closed. Yeah. You can't do that. So, I'm not against condos, but if you're going to get a condo, get one on the top floor, right? Because then it'll be closer to completion. Yeah. And then they might be able to close that property. I think every investment's a good investment, depending on your situation, if that makes sense. Like, I personally don't want to buy anything in Toronto or anything near Toronto to be as a matter of fact. Because you looked at what's there. Well, first of all, you got double the transfer tax. 
you know, I mean, we're paying tax upon tax upon tax. Insane. You can't escape it. Insane. So the, and the, the more fees associated to new construction. Exactly. And then when you're in Ontario, outside of like Alberta, we're double taxed here on our GST. Yeah, it's just insane. So here we pay 13%. I think Calgary is like seven. Is there a rumor that they're going to knock off the tax on anything trade related, building related? I, I read something. I recently. mean, there's so many rumors going around. I don't believe any rumors. Like they're saying, I like see it, it. just to kind of get the building infrastructure going again, because obviously we saw it slow down, and it has slowed down. I don't give a crap what anybody says. They they want to incentivize anybody to start continuing to do work. So if you lop off that 13 percent here in Ontario, then you might get more people interested so in starting. A few to do years work. ago, they made you pay. You didn't have to pay tax to the real estate agent that sold or bought your property it wasn't a thing yeah you didn't have to pay uh taxes on um certain baby items this that and everything else so the money is all the same in canada it's just a bag of money and that's the way that they want to distribute it right so we can distribute it to ukraine uh syria all these different parts of the world what we have to do is distribute it back to the taxpayers that's what we have to do. And with a liberal government, and I voted liberal eight years ago, I'll never do it again, yeah. is is understand where our money is going. Well, the thing about tax, and I don't know if how many people realize this, is that your tax dollars is designed to go to certain things. Road, infrastructure, schooling, medicine, all that. It's designed for that. But it's not. It's not. That's the problem. It's not. So when we came up, so tax came out, I think the Second World War. And it was, it came out so that way. I think it was it, a little bit earlier than that, but it was, a, it was supposed to be a temporary thing. It's a, supposed to be a temporary thing yeah. and whatever else. So we have people that we're looking up to that are misguiding the population. What we need to do is have more responsibility for those people that are in power. And and unfortunately, we don't, right? I've had people on the show that talk about how our government recently, well, not recently, but our government has gotten rid of the option for our citizens to complain about our government officials. We're not allowed to submit a formal complaint against somebody who's doing something wrong, which is not so really we're, we're right. So we're no longer what you call democratic country. No, no, it, that's not, like anybody, you can go to the optometrist and change your vision all, the, all you want. That's not what's happening right now. No, so I mean, the biggest straw that broke the camel's back is this whole censoring of social media. Of course. Right, so if if you and I are talking about something and they don't want us allow it online, that's it, it's done. Well, that's what recently they attached podcasts now right. to C11, right, Bill C11. Which is, and, and that was a lot to do with what the fiasco that happened in Parliament recently, right? Where somebody was embedded and all of a sudden he just connects podcasts to it. So anybody speaking negatively on a podcast about it, uh, your podcast can be uh, shut down. Which is like... It's a is, scary thing. Isn't the podcast the last, like, the last way for us to actually just speak openly about and have a conversation? It's not about saying who's right or wrong. It's just about you're getting an opportunity where the media has dropped that ball decades ago. They 100%. were always supposed to give you both sides of the story. They never gave you the both sides of the story. And for the majority of podcasts out there that people are building and they're sharing stories, they do give you both sides of the story. 
So we're not saying that I'm right, you're right, you're, I'm wrong, you're wrong. We're, we're not no, saying this that. is open conversation. Exactly. That's all it is. But the thing is, the moment that you start suggesting to shut down open conversation, that's an issue. That's right. You can't do that, right? So you should be allowed to at least plant a thought, share your thought. You may not agree with me, but that's your that's totally up to you. But yeah. at least I can share my 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 concerns of something, right? Yeah. So we've had a conversation outside of here about different things going on and and I think you know, but I have another pro, uh, another business starting up in Florida. Um, it's a little bit more conservative-based. Uh, it's called Lakewood Home Services. Uh, we have a website and everything else. Right now, it's not full throttle. But um, Why uh, Florida? Why did you choose Florida? Let's say it's a red state. Okay. Uh, it's, it's got great weather. It's got great activities. It's, it's safe for the most part. Um, Gated. You can be in gated communities, yeah. absolutely. And the population in Florida alone is over 22 million people. Oh, wow. And so Canada is around 30 some odd million. 38 or so and change. But yeah. this is just one state. I know. And then on the other end, you got the same thing with California, right? That's correct. No, I want to go to California. You're going to pay me to go to California. There's more. I think there's more uh, homeless people in California than the rest California of the world. California is a mess right now. It's a disaster. Yeah. I, I would I would stay in like a red state. If, if you like that type of uh, thing, I'd be in Texas, Arizona, uh, Florida. And what are you doing? You're offering services? Like, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of um, different services. Yeah, it'll be like general handyman services, um, water filtration, drain cleaning. Um, it's not going to be strictly plumbing. I learned my lesson because when I named this company, um, the cream of the crop of all trades, and I hate to say it, is the plumbing trade. Okay, when 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 we when we discuss it, how, and most of my best friends are electricians, and we jab at each other. And you've had a lot of them on of here, you know. Of course. So you had David saying, "I'll, I'll had, be on, I'll be honest." Yeah, you guys have a better ride. Like it's just, I'm not I'm not saying no. I think we do. Um, the only thing is, it's a dirtier job, right? Yes. For some, for for the service people, for most new construction people, don't understand that it's um, actually not that bad. There's only parts of it being bad, but I mean, electrical has the same thing, but I think that growth wise and to build a brand and to monetize more plumbing, I think, uh, it's a catch 22. So like when I bought my house, I didn't do plumbing upgrades, right? When you bought a brand new, when I bought a brand new house, I, I would suggest don't do a single upgrade. I have a different thought about the that. only now, one that I would upgrade is the height of the basement. No, so I, I, I agree, but I disagree. Okay. So, and I'll tell you why. Things cost a lot more money from the builder. Of course. Okay. Agreed. You totally, 100%. Well, they, that's, okay, that's three where times they make more. money. They yeah. make money from Correct. the upgrades. So, but now I'm going to give you a different thought, and then maybe I'll change your mind. Sure. Okay. So, you buy a house, and I did it myself, right? My floors were $17,000 as an upgrade, okay? So, we have like this 7-inch hand-scraped plank flooring whatnot now that floor was seventeen thousand dollars on my mortgage mm. when you finish now your house yeah now I know and you got to spend okay ten thousand dollars you got to pull that out direct yeah or take a separate loan when you get a mortgage loan you're getting it well then was around two three percent now it's five percent right so if, if I only keep my house for a short period of time, did I pay for that entire floor? Mm, I know what you mean. You get what I'm saying? I totally get what you're saying. So there's, there's, 
Yes and no. I agree with a lot of things. I, I agree with doing all of your upgrades on the, the basement, raising that. I'm, I just, I'm more about the structural. The structural, sure. Because you can never change the height of the basement. So if you want sure. to, but they do gouge you quite a bit just to go from an eight to a nine foot basement. But you can't do it after. You can't, it's impossible to do it right. after. So, so, so you're right about that. My thing is, my frame of thought is, you have to th value the time of, okay, if I do want to do a renovation after, am I going to have to be put up in a hotel? Am I going to have to move all my... My it's wife and I, we talk about house. building our own house all the time. Buying a house, gutting it, this, that, and the other. There's two factors. You can do that if you're capable and able and willing to afford another property to live in. To carry two. To carry two. If not... You're better off buying a bill from a builder. Let them do it. Spend the money on it. Flip it, and you made the money on that property. Going back to the school analogy. Yes, you can go and become an architect, and you're paying all this money. So you go and buy a house, but now <coughs> you're renting a property to stay there while you're building this dream home of yours. That's correct. So it's like as much money, and you're pulling money to build, but you're paying money to live. That's correct. It's an expense that you shouldn't be looking at. That's correct. Right. So when, when you're doing a new construction and you're getting these upgrades and you're not paying for them up front, are you really paying for them? Yeah, you got to factor it in everything. You have to factor. So there's always two sides. Like on the back of this here, it's not finished. On this side, it's finished. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's always two sides to the coin. What's, what's today's generation? Are they even looking down that line that far? Are they paying attention to the possibilities of sacrifice today? work your ass off to get to a certain point so then you can actually pull this off or are they just looking for the next dollar are they they've just given up it's it's not totally given up it's just it's almost feel like defeat for them you know what i mean like versus when i'm you never going to be able to do this and you you want to give them motivation you want to give them confidence and i think what's lacking now is confidence Big time confidence. Did you have it when you were younger? Or did your thought process give you that? I grew up in a different time. Yeah. Um, I'd wake up at four in the morning to go to work, to be at the shop for, like to be ready by five, to get to the shop for six, to be at the job for seven. That doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't exist, eh? That doesn't, like no one goes to a, like back when I was in construction to save back then, Parking was 15 or $20. To save that $20, I'd wake up an extra hour early, drive to the shop, sit in the back of a van with no no seats, no seat belts, no nothing, to save that 20 bucks. That doesn't happen. How many cars are on the road nowadays? It's too many. It's a lot of cars on the road. No one drives together. No one carpools, right? I'm not saying what I did was right. What I'm saying is there were sacrifices that were made Probably you did too. Yeah. That aren't being made now. And everyone expects the same for less. So there's this uh, um, meme kind of thing online. And it was a coach talking to his players. And he says, lazy people want something for nothing. And hardworking people always question if they're doing enough. It's true. You know what I mean? So when you work as an employee, you think about, okay, I'm working from seven to three or seven to four or nine to five or whatever else. You're just thinking about that particular time. Yep. 
I don't know how many times you've you and I have been on the phone. There's no beginning and there's no end. No. And this is what people don't understand is that before they even like not they, but a lot of people open up their eyes. We're already done three, four, five different things. And that's why we're getting to where we are. You know, I had <clears throat> my father growing up and he used to tell me, just get your license, just get your license. Yeah. And I used to work with these guys that were ruthless, man. Old school, like Italians, Napolitan guys that would yell and scream at you, throw hard hats at you, heart ha hammers and stuff. And we worked hard, man. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I need two guys to carry a pipe. It was one guy carrying two pipes. <laughs> I'm serious. No, no, I know, I know. And that's the way it was. Yeah. And now... Not all the time, but a lot of the time, you kind of have to hold someone's hand and walk them through everything, right? Like, you want to give everyone a little bit of experience, and they can't get that experience if you're always doing it for them. Like, you, like my kid, the other day, he, he came home, and he had this um, thing to do for school, and my wife was helping him. And I said to her, you're not just helping him. You're almost doing it for him, right? Yeah. You can't do that. He's going to make his mistakes. The teacher's going to know he didn't just do it by himself. Yeah. And the same thing goes for our employees. Right? They have to make mistakes. They're not perfect. And as an owner, it's tough. But if they don't make these mistakes or you don't teach them before they make their mistakes, then how are they going to learn? A few years back, I, I was inviting more and more students to kind of come on my job sites to kind of you know, I wanted to get them. I had a connection with George Brown and all of a sudden I was talking to the higher ups and then I was like, listen, more than welcome. Come Absolutely. I, I totally want the kids to be around. It's a safe environment. We're not throwing hard hats, right? Like I was beyond all that stuff, right? I knew of it and everything like that, but I wanted them to experience real job sites today because it's different than the classroom, right? Absolutely. And I started noticing that a large portion of those kids were more interested in the conversations that I was having with clients and suppliers than the actual work. So I started looking around going, why is why are they not showing interest in the actual work? Because the thing is, I didn't start at this point where I was having a conversation with a client and a supplier. I didn't start at the top. I started at the bottom. And you kind of built what you built to get to that top. But now they just want to be on your shoulder there looking at how to be the business owner instead of be a part of the business. Correct. You need time to grow. You and need time to learn. Since 1991, Mrs. Saga Hardware Center's MHCI, or Saga Tools as the cool kids call it, has been a trusted name in the construction supply industry, serving the greater Toronto area as a family-founded, owned, and operated company. They take pride in their reputation as one of the most respected construction supply providers in the GTA. At MHCI, they stand out for their commitment to fast and efficient service. Their team of friendly, courteous, and knowledgeable staff is available to assist you with any questions you may have. They understand the importance of product knowledge and strive to provide an unsurpassed level of expertise to their valued customers. They take pride in their ability to purchase large volumes of products directly from manufacturers worldwide. This enables them to pass on substantial savings to their customers. Whether you're embarking on a do-it-yourself project, constructing a multi-million dollar building, or involved in city infrastructure development. Their products and prices remain highly competitive within the industry. Order online at www.mississaugahardware.com or better yet, go and visit them in person and always check out what's happening on their social at Mississauga Hardware Center with C-E-N-T-R-E. So the, the word apprenticeship is there for a reason, okay? An apprenticeship gives you hours to learn a part of the job. 
Now, if you are like one of these guys that follow like the Tony Robbins of the world or their Grant Cardones and, you know, these different type of guys, they always tell you, oh, well, get into a business and learn how they are doing it. Yes. But if you don't know what you're doing, the business is doing, that's not going to make you a great business owner. It's the funniest thing because, so I taught the trade, but I didn't teach the trade because I'm a teacher. I taught the trade because I was a plumber. Mm-hmm. So I taught the drafting, I taught the techniques, I taught the, the shop, I taught all of that. And I did that when I was 29. So this is going back 10 years, right? Not that we're the best or that we didn't do anything wrong. I've done more wrong things than I've done good things. Okay, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is everybody wants now. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants everything now. They don't understand that, you know, it took you, you know, wearing three layers of clothes and three pairs of gloves and sweating your sack off yeah. to to get to the point of, in okay. In all seasons. In all seasons. Cold or 40, hot. 40, sto- 40 stories yes. high, wind blowing through your hair. Yes. We used to, I remember like, we used to uh, like find a piece of plywood on the job sites and put up these things called jack posts so we could do our piping. Mm-hmm. And then we would put a lamp inside our box of fittings to heat up the the couplings so that way they would fit on to the pipe because they weren't malleable they they would just get so stiff the rubber yeah and that's the type of work that we used to do and everyone got all excited oh yeah i want to do this work i says you haven't seen the work that we've done and going back to it i don't know how i did it because i couldn't do it today here's a question for you um You've got a lot of business on the go, but you've built these businesses. You've got to these points where you started looking at opportunity and go, I'm going to do this, but you nurtured it to get to this point. If you would have did what the generation of today wants to do today or what they're doing today, if you would have did that back then, you'd fail. You wouldn't have all these businesses, right? You'd fail. You'd totally fail and not, and the confidence would just be torn and you wouldn't try again. And so that's the problem is that you had smaller failures many of them to teach you to improve on the next one to keep growing yeah you don't win just with wins you win with the failures yeah um and it's it's a weird saying but you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. and you might know what i know i'm teaching you talking to the customer and the suppliers and blah 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 but you don't know what you don't know right when the supplier is asking you for your month your month their money and the customer didn't pay you for your, your job. You didn't know that. How do you handle that situation? How do you handle that? Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll give you a perfect example. So let's say you make $100,000 a year. The bank is only allowed to, uh, to loan you 10% of your yearly income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you have a, a, a running tab with a trade supplier and it hits $10,000 and your visa only covers $5,000, where do you come up with the other 5000 and back in the day, before we did what Today we... Today you borrow. <laughs> from where? It's harder now. Who's going to give you money now? Yeah, you can't. So back in the day, when a new construction job was happening or a renovation was happening, you would start the job and there were no such thing as a deposit. I can't start a job without no, a deposit. It's too risky. It's <laughs> not just that it's too risky. I have to pay before the job is done. They're expecting payment. They're expecting, especially payment. in today's climate. I, I still remember days that, you know, all of a sudden you start introducing e-transfer and it was gone into the day. I can't tell you the last time I wrote a check. 
it's just everything is just all transferred now. So it's like as soon as the job is completed, your employee has done it or your subtrade has done it, payment is made. That's correct. So you got to carry all that stuff. So like if you're not getting the funds for that, then who's covering at that point? Nobody. And you shouldn't be being the bank, so to speak. So you need to be running your business properly. So when I started this business, I was the bank. We all were. Yeah, we all were. We learned those lessons. We, we definitely did. And I hate to say this, but we have different level of clients. So we have A, B, C, and D clients. Yeah, which is normal. It's fine. Right? D clients are do not service clients. C clients are complaining clients. Do not service clients. Yeah, DNS clients. Yeah, okay. Straight up. There's people that we fire. We don't want your business. Because they're, they're trying to heckle you. Like, we already know what our costs are. Right? And we're the middle price. We know that. They're comparing you what? To like, to just a... A handyman or somebody off a of Kijiji or yeah. I don't know what. Right? Like... Our insurance, we cover $10 million in insurance. Yeah, you have right? to because of the structures you're going in there. That's correct. So if we're doing a high-rise building and you don't have $10 million in insurance, you're going bankrupt yeah. if something, God forbid, happens. Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky enough to not have anything happen, but you still have to have that. And this is a thing that people don't understand. And when, when you're in business and you're talking to the customer and you're talking to the supplier and these kids or these people are watching you, they don't know that overhead part. They don't know about the truck that was $40,000 is now $80,000. That's another big problem. Service and maintenance of that truck. Not just that. The price of trucks have gone through the roof. That's just pure greed. Well, so, okay. So I have Nissan NVs. So they're um, walkable. Yeah. Like they're over six feet tall. Yeah. They no longer made. They don't make them they anymore. Discontinue them? They discontinued them. Yeah, so and they're one of the best trucks. Competition, but now you're looking at $100,000 for a new van. Yeah, so I looked at the basic um, Mercedes, and you're around $80,000. Um, a higher-end Ford is around $80,000. The other day, I looked at a dump truck, because we do a lot of digs, and it was at GM. And this is like nothing fancy, just no leather, no nothing, no roof, no none of that fancy. So $117,000. The worst part is... And this always goes back to the government is anything over $100,000 now becomes a luxury. So now you're paying 23%. Exactly. So is it, I don't want to say, is it not worth it being in the trades? Always worth being in the trades better than anything else. But is it worth being in business? Isn't it absolutely scary that a tradesperson vehicle is now being classified as a luxury vehicle? Correct. So if you're an F-150. If you're a smart tradesperson, you should be looking at older, used. You can't because interest rates are ridiculous. They cost just as much as a new one now. So I went in and I looked for a a truck at Ford. Yeah. Right? My truck, I have a limited. It is a luxury truck. The truck that I drive is a luxury truck, but it's a work truck. I have the fold over. I can put my laptop in there. I can work on it. I can pull my trailer with it, everything else. But I spend eight hours a day in my truck. You know what I mean? It's my office, right? It's, this is like, it's like my office out of the office. Because going from job site to job site, seeing people, whatever. You want to be in something comfortable, good quality. You don't want to see me come to your house in a rust bucket. No. Right? You're going to be, who the hell is this guy? You yeah. know what I mean? There, that, there's a, that other factor as well, right? But you don't need to be coming in in a $110,000 brand new spanking truck. So let's say you buy one that's used and it's $60,000, but you're paying $6,000 in interest a year. Yeah. Because it's 10% interest rate right now insane so you, you got caught in this catch 22 and then if you have a used vehicle now you have maintenance it's got to go in for a timing belt or it's got to go in for oil so changes for this that, that break even point 
Well, that's just the thing, right? Change it, right? Dramatically. Of course. Of but then a lot of the younger trades don't realize that there's all this extra overhead until they actually create that grocery list. The day of the $100 an hour or how much do you charge per hour, that's gone out the window. You can't charge per hour. You're going to be spinning your tires. What's the fluctuation price on, on plumbing fixtures these days? Like I, I know certain guys are at certain points and certain guys is... I know a lot of guys are getting over $1,000. They're asking for it. Per fixture. Per fixture. So we're we're probably in and around that that mark, the thousand yeah. dollar mark. Yeah. I mean, when I first started, it was five hundred dollars. When I got into it, yeah, I, I there was jobs three three fifty. Yeah, right. That maybe rough it, maybe just rough it. Yeah, so that yeah, was but the, then you had finishing, which was yeah, a little yeah. bit so more. The actual yeah. fixture itself and everything like that was different, but that's just actually to run a line of new construction and get going. Yeah, yeah. yeah you were about three three fifty at the yeah, time. Yeah, now you're now you're probably ago. around a thousand dollars a fixture. Yeah, residential, commercial's residential. different. Yeah, we were we did a job or we quoted a job a couple of years ago. And then it, it, it went into fruition. It was a three-story um, house with a commercial unit on the bottom. And we quoted it. We quoted it residential. Okay. And then they came in and said they had it be fire rated. Fire rated pipe is eight times the price. So you can't do it at the Just price that you quoted. That's correct. So then once it goes from floor to floor. And this is what kills me too. And, and this is the most ridiculous part. They have fire sprinklers. It's a wooden structure, and what's the necessity of it? Of a commercial grade. Right. Waste. It's a wooden structure. So wood. Why are we going from floor to floor with, with, with XFR? What was, did you bring that up, that argument up? There's, there's, no, there's no point of spec, arguing. Once it's specced, it's specced, it's, it's stamped, everything else, you know? So you, to, to change that, you technically would have to redraw, submit again. And then go. I'm not having any part of that. That's no, not exactly. my job. That's my job is to. That's correct. That's yeah. not my scope. We have another issue, and actually, we're in Halton right now, right? In Halton, I was doing a um, a job not too far away from here, and we have dishwashers, okay, commercial dishwashers. In Halton, they have a bylaw that the dishwasher goes into the grease interceptor. Okay, that doesn't make any sense because a dishwasher has high temperature. So if that's going into the grease interceptor, what happens? You're cooking the grease that's already in there. And then what's going to happen? It's going to go into the lines. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. Oh. So what happened was I got caught on it. The inspector said, oh, no, it's got to go into the grease interceptor. So what's my way out of it? And I'm already done. This is all underground, blah, 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 whatever, right? And uh, I had to get the the permit or the drawing, the architect, whoever, to, sign off. to sign off and stamp that I did it correctly. Because we have provincial laws, we have federal laws, and then you have bylaws. So people think they know everything. But that's, that's a thing that I came across and I got caught for. So that's one situation that I've learned from. There's another situation where I did a mucho burrito in Guelph on Edinburgh. And I did it in XFR fire rated piping. And there was no arguing with the inspector. He wanted it in copper. I had to cut out all of my XFR. But what was it specced? Fire rated. So why was he insistent on... Listen, you can't win. Sometimes you can't win. What was the reason why he wanted copper over fire? So it was behind a stove, but behind the stoves they had like a cement board, right? So your non-combustible material. Correct. And I'm in non-combustible material, and I'm in an open plenum, final problem. It was all legal. He didn't have it. He just wasn't having it. Maybe because I was out of town. I was in Brampton at the time, my business. I don't know. But when it comes to certain parts of certain jobs, there's no getting around it. And you got to get a pass to get paid. 
And it's not worth your time to contest that inspector, go to the No, because the longer that takes, yeah. the longer and you get paid. And now you're, not, you're not getting paid on the back end. And then, then. And you're, you're getting you back the charged. Bank, you got to pay. Yeah. And you're getting back charged Especially by the commercial. Exactly. exactly. So there's, there's you're, no. Now you're losing money at that point. Absolutely. So it's actually better to just cut it out and do it the yeah, way. Yeah, we had to cut everything like about an inch or two off the ground. We had to change wow. it with, with mechanical joints and then put in copper. That makes no sense to me. Oh, that, that job I broke even, if I'm lucky. Because it was already done. It was already done. As per spec. That's correct. And then you're being told to do it a second time. That's right. With more expensive material. No. Yeah. Uh, it it yeah. was the labor that we lost on. Because there was a lot of fittings that I was able to save, but then there wasn't a lot of, like, you know what I mean? Who's going to keep s sections of pipe? It's difficult. Oh, we're getting close to the end, man. Um, I just want to do a little quick. Uh, what do you like brand-wise? Toilets and... Uh, who do you, who do you, you, you've experienced all of them. Like you've installed all of them. Yeah. Pretty so much. Who our, do you like? Um, there's a couple. So I love the brand American Standard. Okay. American Standard is my go-to. Didn't go -to. they change recently because they got bought out by somebody else? So Sloan was the, Sloan? the Cadet Pro is always going to be the Cadet Pro. It's okay. always made the same way. And that that's another thing too you can discuss is like, if you're going to install a toilet, it's a toilet. No, it's not. So a cheap toilet is not going to be glazed on the inside. It's not going to have a three-inch outlet. It's not going to be this, that, and the next. American Standard is my go-to. That's what we sell. And we sell for like $1,000 for a toilet, right? I'll give everybody who's listening an analogy about not glazed traps in toilets, right? Absolutely. Take a paper towel and just wipe your cast iron skillet. There you go. It'll rip all up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what exactly what's going on there when it's not glazed. Correct. Right, so it's just like I, I don't think I would ever allow a client to put in a non-glazed toilet. So it doesn't matter yeah. if you want to save money; it has to be at least glazed. Yeah. Then you have insulated tanks, non-insulated tanks. You have single flush, dual flush. There's so many different things, and people are funny when they call. How much would it cost to install a toilet? What kind of toilet is it? I don't know. Do you have a bells and whistles? A bells and whistles, or is it what not? kind of flange is it? All of a sudden, Absolutely. everything's changing these days, right? Uh, I, we installed a twelve thousand dollar toilet the other day. It was a uh, never newbie. in my life did I ever think that I would see toilets at the cost of what vehicles were back in my high school days. This thing will take your blood pressure for Christ's sake, almost. <sighs> I just don't get it how they can justify it. But then again, you know what goes to your point about the one percent. Yeah. Right. So they're looking at it like there's a market for it. Absolutely. People want it. I, I don't like the moment I sell a heated seat to a client, they love it. And then Absolutely. they want all of them heated, right? Then the next step is bidet features, yeah. right? And then they just, they just start, and now you got all these bells and whistles being attached to this stuff, which is great for you, but it, they're very expensive items, right? Extremely. Extremely. Ex and then it's the same thing that happens in the shower. That's right. Same thing happens in, in tubs. Like I, I actually love the fact when I sometimes find a, a gem and I find a really cheap cast iron tub, like an alcove cast iron tub, a cheap one. When I say cheap, $700. Yeah, if you're right. under 1000 bucks, you're lucky. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I'm like, you guys don't, nobody's buying this. It was like misordered or something like that. And it's like, what is that? Take the dust off of it. Okay, well, how much? And then you're like, okay, yeah, I'm taking that. Sure, why not? It's a pain in the ass to get it on the site and do it and use it. But like, you will never go wrong with a cast iron tub. No, you It can't. will last forever, right? And ever. So it's just like, you. there's certain things. But then now you get into showers and people want multi-heads and digital components and all kinds of stuff. It's just insane. We did a on. digital thing with... Um, a company not far from here. They're on, uh, it's called Watermarks. It's part of Mark's 
Yeah, uh, Marks. Well, there's Watermarks in Burlington, is in there? Yeah, Burlington. this one was Tobacco. in Etobicoke. Yeah, Etobicoke one, yeah. And, Mark uh, Supply, whatever it is. That's exactly yeah. it. So, and we we did this whole thing, and I haven't installed one because it's like we said, it's for the one percenters, right? What are you doing in the shower to have 7,000 features, really? Like, I, I mean, I'm not like my kids. I like to jump in the shower, take my shower, and get out, right? But when you have 17 jets and then three different... Th- you're not going to spend three hours in your washroom, right? The one feature I do like is if you have a steam shower. Yeah. That's a nice feature. Or if you have a rain head and a handheld. Yeah. Fantastic. When you have all these jets, is what people don't understand is you have to have the pressure to have these jets in. We've installed tank, jets. Or if it's a tankless, a reserve tank. Exactly. So it, you can have these, 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 these features, but now you have to put a pump in the basement. You know, no, there's a lot. Of, and then you start adding to it. But then they were sold by the salespeople to buy this. So then they're like, it's a little expensive, but let's buy it. But they don't realize what the back end on the roof, the plumbing, all that's associated with. Oh, it. yeah. So like you're talking $1,000 a fixture. That's another $1,000 because that's not a regular fixture no yeah. more. Yeah. You know, And, and you have to do those in copper. You can't just do those in packs. Yeah. Right. Steam lines have to be in copper. And plus, yeah, the way you actually now you've got if you're tiling, it has to be fully waterproofed. There you go. Like, not just a certain area on the bottom, the whole thing right to the ceiling. Well, what is that, Schluter or whatnot? Yeah, yeah, and ceilings have to be on an angle or even curved. That's right. Because you can't have a flat ceiling on a steam shower, right? Because yeah. nobody understands that you can be in a steam shower and join it, and all of a sudden, that droplet, the temperature of that droplet, and hitting your skin. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. So you need that water to cascade down an angle, That's ceiling right. or a curved ceiling, right? So there's. So hey, it's like things. you've done this before. Yeah, I just I, I <laughs> yeah, and I've done the schooling of it. It's just insane, right? Plus, you also got to figure out where do you put the generator. That's right. You have to have a, 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 a an relatively accessible compartment, close, accessible, relatively close to it, right? So, that's right. And then also serviceable. That's right. Because it will need service. That right? that's the one thing that's very difficult with plumbing is telling people like first of all nobody wants to have a box in their house no. so like you know this has to be flat square whatever yeah, 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 I know. so you're like okay well why don't we box the whole thing make it like a coffered ceiling the number one when when i was teaching in school and I, i'm pretty sure they still do this is they they teach you and they start off by definitions Smart. so the first definition is accessible or union or whatever else when you go into someone's house now you have nice looking accessible things like uh, i think they're called aria vent yeah type of boxes the panels and everything the panels yeah they're a lot nicer than the ones that you know just clip in that were 20 bucks you know the what springs i mean and that's correct yeah. I, I still use those still today yeah. i have them in my own basement yeah. i mean i'm not that posh whatever like it's not the end of the they world have their purpose pay. and they work right so it's good that's right if it's in a closet who cares right because usually it's a shower and behind it is a closet and that's where you're going to put that part but it has to be accessible but to your point, it's the way they're designing new homes. First floor is completely open. Why? So open. where do you hide this stuff? It's very difficult. Second floor, you're hearing people not putting closets anymore. That's right. They're doing actual furniture pieces in the rooms now. So then the rooms can feel bigger because the rooms have gotten smaller. Get rid of the closet. feels bigger again. So where do you hide it now? You keep on trying to figure out where do you hide it. And then you try to explain to the client, can we fatten this wall up? Can I do a double wall here so I can hide? Yeah, can I make it six inches instead of four inches? I need to run all my HVAC through here. I got to run my stacks through here. I got to run generator. I got to put something there, right? You need to give me some space. So it's like, it's funny how the salesperson selling the unit that's luxury to the client is not selling the whole, because if you go on anybody's website and you click on specs, instructions or uh, installation specs. Yeah. All that information that you're just about to tell them as a trade is there. That's right. But they don't look at that. They no, they at just the look at the pretty stuff. That's right. And they look at the potential of how beautiful this is going to be. Yeah. But 
you're missing the boat on designers and architects and engineers and everybody else sharing that information That's and right. leaving it on our doorstep as a tradesperson. So my ba- my basement on your point of hiding things. All basements have stacks. Okay. Yes. So the stack comes up and usually it comes up probably about a foot off the wall. And it's a pin in the ass and they look ugly, right? Because then you have a square box coming out. So what I did in my own basement was I brought all my walls flush. So I lost four or five inches, but now I don't have any boxes. You know what I did? What's that? I broke the concrete. I moved them. Well, you could do that. Right? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. It was a pain in the ass. I was literally moving stacks 12 inches. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you go into some of this new construction, you, you see a stack. It's almost like in the middle of the room. You're like, okay, yeah. this is one end of the hammock. Where's the other end going to go? I don't understand why it's so far away from the wall. I get why they're trying to get away from the footing and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. But there's still a way that you can actually run it and yeah, get you, it tighter. So nowadays, you're not supposed to put a 90 going straight up on a stack. So now it's 245s. Yes. So what you could do is you could kind of put it, because the concrete is actually above the footing. The footing is usually about six inches below the concrete. Yes. Yes. So if you pin it on a 45, that comes with experience, right? It's not going to be your apprentice plumber doing that. But if you have a good quality plumber and they're going to do something like that for you, they're going to put 245s and they're going to keep it as tight as they can to the wall. However, you got to keep it about an inch or two away for the vapor no, barrier. No, no, just for installation purposes. Right. And you still do that. But when I'm talking about yeah. most of these stacks are easily a foot away from the actual foundation. But wall. you got to remember, like, the guys that are doing that stuff, they're not even plumbers. No, they're not painters. They're concrete they're, they're and drain drains. guys. They're drain guys, right? Yeah, and that's another thing, too. So we are talking about all these licenses. They don't have one. Huh. Yeah, they don't have one. There you go. So, and if anything, think about it. That's probably one of the most important parts. It's of I had system. I had to go into a brand new house in my own subdivision, and I ran my cam. We were talking about cameras earlier. Remember? That's interesting. And we had to put a camera down, and we found that the main drain by the builder, no no names mentioned because it no, happens, no, no. was backfall. But was it a plumber that did it? Absolutely not. Was it plumbers that used to do it? Yeah. See, the thing is, we've turned into prima donnas. Mm-hmm. We've given up a lot of the different type of work as a tradesperson. There's a lot of work that we used to do that we no longer do. Mm. You have a guy now that doesn't need a plumbing license to change water meters. So a guy comes in and he's just doing water meters. Or a guy that comes in and just does hot water tanks. Or a guy that comes in and just does maintenance on something. There's a lot of gray areas about a lot of different things. And it's all a money grab. So it's strictly monetary. It's all monetary. It drives me bonkers because we have the people. that like, I hire one or two co-op students a year. And we go through the whole process and everything else. Usually the first semester guys are tough to keep because they go into second semester. They forget what they learned in six months or whatever it was, four months. And then they won't come back in the summer. The second semester guys, they kind of come through the summer with you if they're in the mood. But if they're not in the mood, then it's it's different. But wow. there's another there's another leap that we have to we have to talk to the government to make it three to one or two to one versus the opposite way around. Otherwise, we're never going to get catch up. What's their reasoning why they don't? go back to the old system or even increase the amount of people? Because I'm sure a guy like you could even handle more than three. So it was never that way. It was opposite. It was three plumbers for every apprentice. But that's when we had the manpower. You don't now. We have have 14% 
regenerating. So it, we're never going to be where we used to be. So back to your point about, you know what it is, is that you've got trades that have looked at opportunities where they can come in and just hook up the meter, just hook up the tank, just hook up this. And they look at it like, I can do five of these a day and make X amount. Sure. And I, don't have, I don't have any of the responsibility. There, there's things. companies that just have contracts to do backflows. Yeah. Okay. And it's good money and just and, do it. And, and you done. don't even have to be a plumber to be backflows. You can be an apprentice or you can be a, an engineer. You can have a different type of thing, but you can just specialize in one particular thing. For me, uh, I gave a scenario to one of my one of my apprentices the other day. I says, you use a Swiss Army knife, okay? If you don't have that Phillips screwdriver, is it now a Swiss Army knife? No. no. If you don't have the uh, the flathead or if you don't have the scissors or if you don't have the 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 pin, uh, the the pinching uh, pliers. It's not a Swiss Army, it's a Swiss Army it's a screwdriver. Life. It's a screwdriver, <laughs> right? When you become a tradesperson, you want to be the Swiss Army knife of tradespeople. Yep. You want to know how to do a little bit of everything. I love plumbing. I think the best trade it's HVAC, the gas side. Why? Because you learn a little bit of plumbing. You learn a little bit of you're electrical. Touching the top. You're touching a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right, you got electrical boards inside the furnaces. You got, you learn a wide variety of things. Kill switches for ACs, absolutely gas, sheet metal, plumbing drains and supplies. Correct uh, valves, and uh, so that's that's how I get away with um, hiring young guys. Without them being a plumber, I get them to do their gas, so they understand the potential here. That's right. So you give them something because everybody wants to be a licensed person, and I appreciate that. But the government doesn't allow it to happen with the ratios. So we have to give them an inlet, right? So you can work with my plumber if you do the gas for him. You're still going to learn, but as a compulsory trade, you're not supposed to be touching it. It's not fair, man. But It's unfair it's to not, the young it's, generation. Yeah, and it's it's, and it, they keep pushing this whole, we want people to be in the trades. But you're not allowing them because be you're losing 43 to 1. Or forty three to seven, so you you're losing, you're losing a crazy a amount of a crazy amount of percentages. All right, we gotta we gotta wrap it up. I gotta do the twelve questions with you, everybody. Let's do it at the underscore plumbing underscore uh, expert, and his website is www.theplumbingexpert.com. Email is info at theplumbingexpert.ca. Number is one eight hundred six five nine eighteen seventy nine. What everyday sound brings you joy? Oh, my alarm clock, man! You want to get up four? No, uh, Not these days. No, I, I'm lucky because um, my why was always my children. Right, that's my why. Everyone has a why. What yeah, do yeah. they do? What they do? And uh, I usually get up between. My alarm clock is set up at seven, but I usually wake up at six thirty. You're up before it. Yeah, I'm, I always wake up. It's like an internal time clock. And the reason I'm do that is because I drop my kids off at school, so I give that's that extra fine. fifteen twenty minutes with them. What is your favorite beverage? Um, Coca Cola. What is your least favorite tool? You're a Milwaukee oh, guy, right? Uh, I was a Hilti guy. Now I'm more of a Milwaukee guy. My f- least favorite tool would probably be base and wrench. What turns you on creatively? Symmetry. Balance, eh? Balance, yeah. What word or concept do you find overused these days? Wow. What word? Or oh, That's a good question. Balance. What's your favorite curse word? Could be any. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite vehicle in the world? 
My F-150. You like that truck that much, huh? I love my F-150. I couldn't live without it. I've been in cars. I've been in everything else. My F-150 is my ride or die. What year is it? I got a 22. Uh, what do you miss from your childhood? Freedom. We had it. We had it. some point, you lost it. You, you do. What term or phrase resonates with who you are? This is this is a this is it gets me a little bit emotional because I heard this from uh, from someone once upon a time and it says, "You're your mother's son." Yeah. If you could master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? A trade skill? No, it could be anything. Languages. Any particular ones? Um. Probably Spanish, French. Yeah, I love languages. I love to travel. Mm. Uh, if you could speak to a historical figure, who would it be and what would you ask? Oh, wow. A uh, historical figure. Muhammad Ali. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Any particular question? Just what made him? What, what 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 kept him so strong? Last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Welcome in. That's all I need to hear, man. Appreciate your time, man. Honestly, thank you very much you on the show and coming on and sharing so much. And uh, I, I like conversations that are about the trade, but are also about the life, right? Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity, as you've expressed on this show, that I think that. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like the younger generation is becoming the one percenter. The one percent of the younger generation is actually paying attention to the options that are on the table here, which is unfortunate because there's so many opportunities. I agree. Right. So, everybody, reach out to him. Uh, you're always well. You're always looking for work. You're lo looking for people. Uh, we're looking for a licensed plumbers right now because we need to hire. There's there's so many young people that are reaching out to us and. But Which is need, great, but you need the ratios, and yeah. that's that's what we're looking for now. Um, so if if I have two seconds, is basically uh, everyone that works for us, they get a business visa, a work truck, um, take care of them, benefits. Yeah, we we do very very much so take care of our our guys. Absolutely, we're looking for um, foreman type of plumber. Okay, so a few years experience, a few years experience, and someone that wants to be a leader, and. Uh, Money is not a problem. You guys will talk about it. So at the underscore plumbing underscore expert. And then his website is www.theplumbingexpert.com. Info at theplumbingexpert.ca. 1-800-659-1879. Thanks so much, Eileen. I appreciate you. Thank appreciate you very much. It. Thank you, man. We're out of here. Angelina.